my name is Scott Ashton. I'm the CEO of the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce, and I'm pleased to welcome you to our Advancing Oceanside podcast. Today we have with us Ryan Keim. Uh, Ryan is a council member in the city of Oceanside, and he is running for the District 3 Council seat. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing good, Scott. How are you? Great, thank you. Glad you can join us. Um, so, Ryan, let, let's get started. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your experience, your background, a little bit about who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I, I came to Oceanside just a couple years old. I grew up here, so I grew up surfing and um, just loved the town growing up. Um, so it made me want to stay for college. So I ended up going to Cal State San Marcos, where I got a bachelor's in political science. And after that, I knew I wanted to find a job here so I could buy a house in Oceanside and raise a family here. So I was lucky enough to get hired by the Oceanside Police Department right out of college. I did that. I worked um, several different units, uh, the gang unit and our community policing units before I was injured. And that forced me uh, to find something new where I, you know, I wasn't uh, able to be an officer anymore. So I transitioned uh, to be in our spokesperson at OPD where I eventually then went to the Sheriff's Department as the public affairs director and their spokesperson. Um, I had the opportunity last year to be appointed to council and it was an honor to come back to our city and try to continue solving the problems that I had addressed as an officer before. And just, it was, it felt like a continuation of my service to the city. So I was very honored to have that opportunity. Great, and you know, and I, I, I would note that uh, your appointment to the council was on a unanimous vote. So um, congratulations on, on that. Um, so you know, being in Oceanside almost your entire life, and with your time spent as an officer, um, what are your thoughts on the current state of the city and and the changes that you've seen in recent years? So I think that was one of the reasons why I was so excited to come back on council. So as an officer since about 2006, I had seen our city transform. And you know, growing up here, we've had our challenges. And so to, to see that progress and where we were by 2019 was very encouraging. So you know, that's what I said uh, the day I was appointed. I had never been as optimistic about our city as I was then. And I feel the same way now. I think you know, going into this um, COVID health crisis, we couldn't have been positioned better as a city. We had just um, our crime at the city has been down to historic lows. You know, we're starting to have issues again, but you know, we had, it took a lot of hard work to get there. We dropped violent gang crime 60% in the last 10 years. And that has a, a dramatic effect on how livable and enjoyable our city is. So you could, you could feel the difference. I think one of the things I was most excited about as um, coming back is we have so many of the friends I grew up with or knew or locals in Oceanside that I spent time with have been able to start very successful uh, businesses here, whether they're restaurants, you know, event lighting, we just have, um, everyone's been able to make it their home that's wanted to. So it's been very encouraging. It just, you know, to come back and be part of that and try to help and you know, help, um, you know, friends and neighbors and family navigate all these challenges. It, it's been great. So we, we are in a good position now, but we do have some challenges we need to get through. Yes. Um, well, so as you notice, as you noted, um, you were appointed to the council last year. So what, what have been your priorities and what have, what have you accomplished in, in that time? So I, I think the number one concern I heard before council and being appointed was our homeless crisis and crime. And those can be intertwined 
Um, so that was, you know, with my experience, you know, I dealt with that daily as an officer. So it was something that was natural for me to start addressing. And it, it's a complex issue and you don't just address it one way. You have to address, um, I, I think it's a two-pronged approach. It's really important where you have to provide these essential services um, to those that will accept them, but you have to address the crime that goes along with it and the quality of life issues. And to do both is a challenge, but it's possible. We've started making uh, steps that way. You know, as far as a services angle, uh, we've done a couple things. We've added a homeless outreach team. So that can, um, they're actually able to go out with a social worker and, and talk to individuals and see what their individual challenges are and actually work towards fixing those. Uh, we've uh, opened or in the process of opening a sobering center, which instead of someone going to jail overnight uh, for being intoxicated, they can go there, sober up, um, and then get connected to services right there. And it's important because, you know, an officer could waste half a shift taking someone to jail for being you know, drunk in public, or they're released anyways without charges. So this just allows us to get our officers back on the street and then actually, you know, put that person in contact with, with some type of help. And I, I, so I think you know, it's a start. We have a lot of work to do. You know, but we also address the crime aspect of it. And unfortunately, we do have individuals that you know, um, are chronic offenders. And so that's what we did is we constructed um, a, a process where we could figure out who was causing the most crime. Because I, you know, I think like many things, you have you know, 5% of the population causing about 95% of the problem. So if we can find out who that is, um, and then we're more efficient in dealing with it. So what we've done is actually, you know, find out who's causing those problems, who's arrested every other day, whether it's robbery, thefts, drug dealing, and then coordinate with the district attorney's office to get appropriate, um, you know, remedies to the criminal justice system, whether that is, you know, a, a substance abuse program or time in custody. I mean, there's different appropriate ones, but it actually allows us um, to have a more meaningful impact. So again, these are um, I, just the beginning, but it's a start and, and we're going to have a long ways to go. So, I mean, other than that, I think, you know, again, every forum I went to, that was our number one priority I've heard. But um, I, I think we have a lot of other um, pressing issues of keeping our city solvent. We have to right now, we, um, we recovered from the Great Recession and we did a great job at it. We more lean, more efficient. We put ourselves in a spot so we can handle something like the COVID crisis. So, you know, I think that's um, always, that, that'll always be a priority uh, on council is keeping, you know, giving us a balanced budget, really protecting taxpayer money. Um, and, and protecting taxpayer money goes into what I really thought was a priority in, in any level of government. And in, that's increasing the trust and transparency in our government. And you want, I, I, I always, I generally think that, you know, um, we do, um, and, and this goes for, you know, government employees, you know, state, federal, local, we do the right things for the right reasons, but it's our job to make sure that um, the public feels that way. So a couple steps we took, we put our first ethics policy on the books last year, which I was very proud of. We're also bringing term limits to this ballot. Um, I had heard some concerns with the appointment, just the process of the appointment when I was appointed. So, you know, I took that opportunity to write out a standardized council appointment process. And if it's something that we can do just to um, build confidence uh, with our residents, I, I think we need to take those steps. Sure. Thank you. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the city's response to, to COVID and like what some of the biggest challenges were and, and how you approached working with the business community? So in the health pandemic, this is something that 
um, nobody had dealt with before. And, you know, coming from a crisis management, you know, at Oceanside and the Sheriff's Department, I've been to shootings and riots, um, search and rescue. So I know, you know, I have a history of how, you know, what works, what doesn't, how to handle those different crises, but this is completely different. And so we just had to be flexible and figure out what the biggest challenges our business community had. And I think we actually, I, I do think our city led the county and this isn't the city, just city staff. I mean, I, I think our residents, our businesses, the chamber, I think really all came together early and try to come up with solutions. I know beginning of March, when um, we didn't have really the first um, closures yet, we were already planning for the closures. You, know, you could see them coming and we communicated with our businesses, our restaurants, and came up with plans to, to when those happen and then we come out of those, you know, to have solutions to keep everyone moving. We started the first economic recovery task force in the county here. You know, that, that got the chamber, visit Oceanside, Main Street, business representatives, and then all of our government representatives from state assembly to Congress to supervisor, all in one area. So our business community could say, hey, I'm having a problem with health permits. I'm having a problem with moving outside. We're having a problem with uh, parking tickets, whatever the case may be that's making this um, crisis more difficult, we were able to address in one area. And I think uh, that was a model for, uh, for other cities in the county. And so and, and that's not over yet, it's continuing. Uh, we also were, were very I think, creative in finding solutions to you know, problems that we weren't, uh, hadn't anticipated before. You know, as a lot of these restaurants were um, closing, there's an abundance of food. So we worked with the Oceanside Kitchen Collaborative um, out of working out of our green kitchen at the senior center to actually buy that food from restaurants so we could actually um, recoup some of their costs. And then we're able to provide that to some of our food insecure families and seniors. And it was a, a program that was eventually copied through the state. But you know, we, I, I think we were the first through that too. And it, it all started from getting together with our businesses and um, our different organizations representing them and figuring out what they needed help with. And you know, that communication um, has been crucial. And it's gonna be, we're gonna need that going forward. You know, we didn't know that we we're gonna have an outside only dining requirement. So we got on that really quickly. We took fees um, almost down to nothing. We made sure that the businesses could get a hold of us that day and we could work with them to get that figured out. So it's, it's going to be a continuing process, but I'm pretty proud of our, uh, our businesses and our residents. Everyone came together and it's, you know, the help that you saw businesses give each other, even though they're competitors, was pretty inspiring. Yeah. And, um, you know, just as a side note, I, I think the the city's response um, to the to the crisis, um, from the perspective of the business community, has been excellent. Uh, and I know you're working within the restraints of of the county and state, but um, I think the city has done everything everything possible to ease those burdens. And that's a testimony to you to your leadership as well as the other council members. Um, so, speaking of business, like what what are what do you see as the biggest challenges to the business community, and uh, do you have any specific plans that you'd like to share? Yes, yeah, so going forward, we have to get out of COVID and you know get past this and keep our businesses going. And that was one reason our our, our local business community is one reason the city has been so successful as of late. We have you know shops are full going down Coast Highway, and that encourages more shops. That encourages more business. Um, encourages visitors, um, our residents to get out. It just, so we have to keep that going. That was one of the things I was worried about most in the beginning of this. You know, I had an unrealistic goal, but it was to keep every business 
you know, that was operating at the beginning of COVID, you know, operating um, at the end of it as well. And what, you know, that's not realistic, but I think it's a good way to, a good way to start. So we're going to do that by cutting red tape. And I, I think that's, and that's going to actually help us uh, be more efficient after COVID too. So we need to, um, anything in the city we can do to make business easier. I mean, we're here to support small business I and mean, they're the majority of our businesses here. So we need to have an open mind, um, constantly be in communication and do that. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, what we did in the beginning was our directors um, looked in each department and said, what can we do to make life easier right now? So we're going to continue that forward. You know, I'm proud of our staff. They have gone above and beyond to make that happen. You know, also, I think we need to make sure that we focus on the quality of life issues that we had before COVID. And again, I'll go back to our homeless crisis. That was one of the main concerns I've heard from business owners. And, you know, that can have a tremendous impact. Some of these, whether it's lit littering, um, indecent exposure, different quality of life problems that you have accompanying the homeless crisis, it has a, it makes it difficult um, to operate a business sometimes. So we need um, to really be nimble and address that. And, you know, we've started, I think we have a long way to go, but, you know, again, we're going to work. I, I think that two-prong approach is going to be sec uh, successful. You know, provide services, provide good services, um, do whatever we can to get people to take advantage of those, but then also be very diligent in addressing crime. And I think, you know, as we go forward, whether it's um, changing state legislation or advocating with our state legislators, that's going to be huge. And that's one of my, you know, that's uh, a goal going forward and an objective is to have an impact on the state and tell, you know, tell our representatives um, the things that they do that makes uh, business difficult in Oceanside. And I, you know, it's my job to be hearing that, connecting either our businesses with um, those representatives directly or writing letters, calling, and you know, that's a daily job for our, um, our council should be doing. So, you know, I think, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a challenge, but we're, we're, we're positioned pretty good to go through it. And I think I, one of the uh, more positive and I think fun challenges going forward is to be getting sand back on our beaches. Mm -hmm. So tourism is almost, a, brings almost $400 million into the city annually. And a majority of that's west of the five or even west of Coast Highway. And right now we barely have usable beaches south of Wisconsin Street. So I, uh, this year I was proud I was sent on our legislative delegation to Washington, D.C., uh, where I got to sit down with the Army Corps of Engineers and talk about um, what they're going to do to try to rectify the issue. And, you know, it, our sand issue is caused by the harbor, which stops at north of south, uh, sand flow. And the harbor is built 60, 70 years ago. It's been, you know, um, enlarged over time, but that's really what stopped our sand flow. So the Army Corps has taken responsibility for it. But we, you know, 20 years ago, we were supposed to have a sand study and a solution, and it still hasn't happened. So, you know, we had been waiting so long that we just decided to take our first step last year and order the first part of that process to go. So happy to say we had a unanimous council vote to order that study, which is going to give us a project. Uh, and, and start the process. It's just been too long. And, you know, not only, and I think it's not, it's not just businesses. Uh, the beaches are the number one recreation opportunity for our residents. They, they're a tremendous outlet to all of our neighborhoods, our children, you know, both high schools have surf teams. And uh, it's, it's something that we have to get done, but it's going to take, it's, that, that's a uh, marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been watching Oceanside politics for a long time now, and it seems like the stakes get higher every year. 
what what are your thoughts as to what's at stake uh, for this year's Oceanside elections? So I think that's you know I, I've said the same thing. This this year's the most important election we've had, and that's kind of uh, it might be overused. You hear it every election, but in in our city, I, I truly think so because we've. Um, we have a lot of momentum right now, and it's important we keep that. And I'm, I'm very afraid um, that we could lose a lot of this forward progress. I mean, we have to, you know, crime, um, we have to make sure we have a handle on it. We have to make sure we aggressively address it. We've put in so much hard work over the last 20 years to get this where we are today. Um, and to lose that would... Um, would be very disappointing to put it mildly. We just, I think if you like the way the city's going right now, um, it's it's important that you pay attention to um, what's happening, um, decisions that are made by your local leaders. I'm, I'm honored to, to have that opportunity on council to come in and, and you know, I'd be honored to get another term to actually finish some of these projects. And we, um, it's, it's just incumbent upon us to, to realize, you know, what Oceanside can be and it's, and I think we can do that with keeping Oceanside's character. And, uh, you know, it's, there, there might be little things here or there I'd change about the city if I, you know, if I could do it um, all over again. But I really think it's um, where we are today is a testament to the hard work of everyone. I, I hope uh, we can continue that, that momentum going forward. Good. Well, thank you, Ryan. And uh, I neglected to mention in the beginning that uh, uh, Ryan uh, did earn the chamber's endorsement for for the District Three Council seat. So we're um, very honored to be able to get behind your campaign and to support you in in your efforts moving forward. Um, so I do want to. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I just want to say thank. I, the endorsement for the chamber meant so much to me this year with everything that your uh, members are going through is to have their confidence, you know, to, to see what I've done so far and to have uh, your confidence and their confidence going forward really means a lot. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, our business is what they've worked their lives for um, and to have uh, faith that I'm going to help them get through this really means a lot. So I, I don't want to understate that. Great. Well, if, again, we're, we're proud to um, be a part of um, a, a part of this effort, and um, we look forward to your victory in November. So, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today, and uh, we look forward to working with you. And uh, thank you for everybody that is watching our podcast, and um, we'll see you next time.